ladies. You're listening to the Gift of Life podcast, which is a space used to create dialogue and to share the lives of women through discussions, stories, interviews, etc. to help women know and find their purpose in this world while connecting with God, themselves, their bodies, and other beautiful women. We are all sisters in this world and have been blessed with the gift of life. Hello ladies, and welcome back to the Gift of Life podcast. On today's episode, we're going to take a dive into some popular women's health trends that could be a bit un-Islamic. <laughs> I wanted to um, touch on these three things because I'm noticing a lot more people speak about them and that they're doing them or that they're you know, getting information about them and thinking about doing them. And I just wanted to give a little bit of Islamic insight behind these trends and why we should or maybe should not take part in them. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is placenta encapsulation. So if you haven't seen this, it's basically when um, a mother will keep the placenta after birth and it will be given to a company who will dry it out and make it into a powder which will then be placed into capsules and the mother will be given like a bottle of them to take um, almost as you know a daily vitamin as a daily regimen as we know women are always trying to find ways to improve their health um, improve their mood um, and just have an overall better postpartum experience and there have been some signs that this placenta encapsulation process could be very beneficial as it's been shown to decrease postpartum mood disorder, um, to help restore iron levels, to increase your oxytocin, and a few other positive benefits. Um, but the, of course, some of these things have not been scientifically proven. Um, I don't really mind the scientifically proven part because there are a lot of things like vaginal steaming and belly binding that also are not scientifically proven to work that do work. So I'm not saying that placenta encapsulation um, and taking the pills that it does not work. That's not what I'm saying. Um, What I'm saying is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to do not consume things that are filthy and harmful. The placenta can be viewed as something that is filthy and not good for you because it is an organ that develops with the purpose of giving oxygen and nutrients to your baby while your baby is developing in your body and also removing any waste that comes from the baby. So this is an organ that really is only functioning to keep the baby alive. Once the baby has been born, um, the organ also passes out and Islamically, it's the sunnah to bury that organ after the birth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Holy Quran, in Surah Tama'idah, which is Surah 5, Ayah 3, he says, Forbidden to you for food are dead meat, blood, swine, and that which has been invoked the name other than Allah. So from this ayah, we can see that the placenta will fall into that blood group. Um, 70% of the placenta is made up of the mother's blood, which is then given to the baby through um, the umbilical cord. Uh, this is important to know because now that it has become a trend to dry out your placenta, 
crush it up into a powder and then take it in a capsule form um, that's a trend now but it's not something that we as Muslims should be doing or making a custom um, part of our birth experience we should be sticking to the sunnah which is to bury any of the afterbirth although these things may have benefits the benefits um, do not outweigh what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded. So this is something that's important and why it's important to study our religion and study what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about different things so that we know the best way to conduct ourselves as Muslim ladies even when you know things change or become popular or become trends. You know where you stand firm as a Muslim lady. The next popular trend that I want to talk about, which I'm seeing to be really common, um, is breastfeeding, but not breastfeeding in general, specifically breastfeeding a child that is not your child. Although this is not um, a thing that is un-Islamic because it has been done in the past and it is sunnah, um, there are certain stipulations that I just wanted to go over so that we can have a a greater idea of the magnitude that it really is to nurse a child that did not come from your womb. It's a very, very, very big deal in Islam, so much so that your husband has to give permission for you to be able to do that. You can't just go and see your baby's friend crying and they're like, oh, the baby's crying and we don't have any bottles. I'm going to just nurse her really quick. I'm going to nurse him really quick. It's going to be fine. Because according to Hanifi Fik, it only takes three suckles from that baby to make that baby your child. And when I say make that baby your child, in Islam, when you nurse a child, that baby becomes your child. We call it like, oh, your milk brother or sister, you know, or, you know, it's your sibling because I nurse them. But According to Islam, you are now responsible for that child. You are like a guardian over that child. So it's a very heavy weight. It's not so simple as just feeding the child, but also you have to know that you are now creating a bond. The children who have both nursed from you are siblings in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That also has a heavy weight because that means that these two milk siblings cannot marry each other. So if you have birthed a daughter and then you nurse a, someone else's son, now they cannot marry each other. They are siblings to one another. Um, and it's also very important to remember the requirement on you from your own child because when you have a baby, it is um, commanded that you nurse that baby for two years. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it's the right of a child to be breastfed for two years by its mother. In Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah 233. And so that's also important to remember because if you're nursing another baby, do you have enough milk supply to feed your child completely and that they're not hungry and also feed this other baby? Um, you know, of course now it's... It, I'm seeing it to become a little bit more popular with people um, and I've seen it in a lot of um, Muslim spaces as well where someone's like oh it's fine you know I'll just nurse the baby but are we really understanding the magnitude of what that means um, 
in Islam and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how heavy that weight is. I just wanted to, you know, put this one in here because I want to make sure that, like I said, we're all gaining knowledge, understanding what does our religion really say about this topic, and then you know how to um, proceed. The last thing that I want to talk about today is the new trends of getting tummy tucks after having a baby. Now, there are differences of opinion when it comes to um, surgery in Islam. Any type of plastic surgery um, has to be you know, advised by a scholar who can tell you whether or not something would be permissible. Um, for most, they say that any reconstructive surgery is permissible for a Muslim. So if, you know, you get into an accident and something happens to your nose or, you know, you maybe experience a fire and now you have to go under extreme um reconstructive surgery this is considered to be permissible because it's to help with the person's mental health as well as psychological health and obviously their physical health because the surgery surgery would be permissible for the purpose of like treating any diseases or saving or preserving the function of the body um so this is when it's okay to get a plastic surgery um, however, I'm noticing within like the Muslim community that a lot of women are like getting tummy tucks after they give birth, like almost immediately after like, oh, I'm just going to get a C-section and then I'll have like a tummy tuck done like during the procedure um, so that I don't have any issues with like my skin or anything like that. And that is on the border of cosmetic surgery, which would not be permissible in Islam. Um, so it's just something that is a popular thing now and now Muslims are beginning to take it on as if it's permissible for us. It might be permissible for everyone else because they don't have a certain of standards or rules that they live by, but for Muslims, this is not something that we should be indulging in. Um, of course, there you know are some extreme cases and some mild cases and you know everybody obviously at the end of the day makes their decisions according to themselves but that's not what this podcast is about <laughs> um it's just going over a few things that are becoming a little bit popular and if we learn about our religion if we learn about islam in the way that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to live our lives we will be able to decipher and have discernment concerning new fads new trends new popular things so that we don't fall into the hole or, or get sucked into something that is not okay for us. So I just want to encourage all of you ladies that are listening today, please take your time to study Al-Islam. There's so much information out there for women, for ladies, um, for families and communities. You have to know who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to be and to, to mold yourself properly in the best form. Um, following the Sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, following Holy Quran. Um, this is our goal and we can only do that if we're encouraging each other to get the right information from the right sources um, so that we can live a proper life. 
Um, That's really our goal. The part of this uh, podcast is to share not only, you know, women's health, but how that health relates to Islam and what we can, you know, learn and do about that and put into practice. So I hope that, you know, this podcast was a little eye-opening for you. Um, It was pretty short today, but I just wanted to touch on a few things that um, I find to be happening (laughs) and a lot of it stems from us not having the proper foundational knowledge. Nabi Sallallahu says to seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave and it's because every day in our life you know things might be changing on the outside but Islam never changes and as long as we continue to study Islam and put our best foot forward in that in that realm, in that space of gaining knowledge, then we will be able to make better decisions for ourselves and for our families. With that, I appreciate you listening and I'll catch you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's topic and I hope it gave you some food for thought. Be sure to subscribe and share our podcast with others. You can find us on the Anchor app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow our sponsor, at Jawahar Life, on Instagram. And until next time, keep embracing your gift of life.